It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord along with her and others. Let me say welcome. Thank you for being with us today. And I love Christmas. <laughs> I do too. It is a great time. And I think one of the greatest things about Christmas that it provides us the thought of hope. And that's certainly what Jesus Christ did when he came as a babe, lived here for, three and a, for 33 and a half years, and a powerful ministry. And he still lives today, even though he was crucified and rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father or there to make intercession for us. And so Jesus Christ, the one that was born uh, of Mary uh, and laid in a manger in a stable, he still lives today and he brings and gives us hope. And for that hope, we're so grateful for Wednesday night here is just a wonderful night, and we just encourage you, if you will, to be part of what God is doing on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We have ministry for the entire family. About a month and a half or maybe two months ago, Brother Dan Slodania, he ministered uh, on a subject of missions and did such a wonderful job. I asked Brother Dan if he would to share that on Sunday morning, and you will enjoy this. You will look forward to this and and it is very very informative and so we appreciate what God is going to do through Daniel Daniel will you welcome him as he comes to break the bread of life today thank you pastor for such a gracious introduction you know we're so blessed to have a pastor like him Wherever he goes, he's always looking to talk to people about the Lord. The term, he never made a stranger, fits him to a T. I don't believe he ever has an off switch, does he, Sister Carol? He's never on off. He's always go. And I remember a time when Josie and I uh, took a trip with Pastor Don and Sister Carol to Natural Bridge in Virginia. We kept losing him. He went off to talk to people. One time we were walking through a wax museum. It's dimly lit and the people, the wax museum had posed wax figures to look as if they were observing the, the exhibits. So pastor sides up to them and starts inviting them to church, these wax figures. <laughs> He was joking, of course, but it just shows who he is in real life. He's always looking to speak to someone about the Lord. He is friendly. He is affable. I once heard an idiomatic expression that goes like, the speed of the leader sets the speed of the pack. And it's true with him and this church. Because this church reflects his character. I don't know how many times I've heard that this church is just so friendly and loving. Thank you, Pastor. While I'm on the subject of church, let me ask you a couple of rhetorical questions. What is church? What is the purpose of church? Why do we come to church? Is it to learn God's word? Yes, it is. Is it to worship and praise God? Yes, it is. 
Is it to encourage one another and pray for one another? Again, yes, it is. You see, everything I have just mentioned, did you notice, is happening inside the walls of this church. All these activities are awesome and great and edifying, but we are called to do so much more. But before I go on, I have asked the sound people to play a video that kind of titles my message for you today. People need the Lord. They pass me by I can see it In their eyes Empty people Filled with care Headed who knows where On they go Living food to fear Laughter hides their silent cries Only Jesus hears People Thank you. 
People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And you see, nothing drove this home to me more than while I was sitting in the prayer tent at our last October Fall Fest. As I sat there, I found myself looking at the people that were milling about and no one was even looking toward the prayer tent. So I knew and I felt what Jesus felt when he said in Matthew 9 and 36. When he said, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The Holy Spirit impressed upon me at that time. These people need the Lord. So I began to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I see that there are people here that need you, Father. I see, Lord, that your heart is breaking because they are not following in your way. And I see that you feel their pain. So hearken them to come. Then these people started walking in. Over the course of the event, I, along with Sister Carol, had an opportunity to pray with at least half a dozen people. A mother who was in desperate situation with several children whose father was no longer in the picture. We prayed for a mother whose heart was breaking because she had an 18-year-old daughter that was out of control and she had no way of reining her in. I prayed for a man who was trying hard to serve God while at the same time struggling with finances without a job and that was straining his relationship. I saw a young man standing off to the side apparently where nobody could see him. As Brother Jin Ho was giving an evangelistic message at the invitation, I saw him raise his hand to receive Christ. No one could see him, but I saw him. I went up to Pastor Michael, and he says, yeah, I know this young man. He's a young man that grew up in a crack house here in Durham. His grandmother was an alcoholic, so she couldn't care for him. It got so bad that he checked himself into foster care system here in Durham. People need the Lord. And there are thousands of people right here in Durham alone in such great need. They are in your neighborhood, at your workplace, at the supermarket, at the mall. They appear to be fine. They're blending in with the crowd in their camos. I'm fine. I'm good. But all the time, they are suffering inside. And it's up to the church. That's you. That's me. 
to bring them the good news. The good news that there is power in the blood of Jesus. The good news that Jesus loves them no matter what. The good news that there is nothing in their lives that is so strong that Jesus cannot make right. You see, church people need the Lord. So the mission of the church in general and the mission for you and I it specifically involves a cycle of sorts. And let me give you that cycle. We are to go, not gather. We are to go. We are to evangelize. We are to make disciples. And we are to plant churches. And this process is a cycle. This church, Bethel Christian Center, began as a prayer group in someone's home. Out of that prayer group, God raised up a pastor to start up a church. God continued to bless, and here we are today in this marvelous facility, staffed by anointed men and women that are doing great work for the kingdom of God. We have evangelistic teams going out to the community. We have anointed teachers and ministers that are discipling. We have a couple of small groups but, uh, that, that are operating, but they need to be bolstered up. You see, church is a place where you come to grow in the Lord and enjoy his presence. But that is so we can re-energize and go out and make disciples. Why do we do this? Because Jesus commanded us to do so. Yeah. Right before leaving this earth and ascending to the right hand of the God, Jesus gave his disciples this command that is found in Matthew, 9, Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the age, the end of the age. Amen. You see, I repeat. People need the Lord. People in the poorest neighborhoods in Durham. And people in the richest mansions of Chapel Hill. People need the Lord. And we are commanded, not asked. We are commanded to go and to make them disciples. Why is it so difficult for, for us to do that today? Well, let me give you two terms that are the primary reasons, hindrances for people to go out and for people to receive the good news. They are pluralism and relativism. More on that later. In my research for this message, I found this real interesting statement that explains a lot of what is going on in our churches and why it is so much more difficult than ever to get people to go and evangelize and more difficult for the lost to receive. 
Dr. Steve Turley is speaking on what he calls the privatization of our faith. Christianity, I quote, as a whole has become radically privatized in our modern secular age. And what thus, what Jesus means to me personally is far more significant than what Jesus means to the historic church. What he is saying is that our churches have been infiltrated with relativism. Relativism is the thinking that there is no right or no wrong. As long as you don't hurt anyone, everything is okay. However, if you carry this line of thinking to its conclusion, then since there is no absolute truth, then there is no God. Because God is absolute truth. Continue to quote, a privatized faith actually becomes the space that actually perpetuates very subjective sensibilities. Subjective. Subjective is a term which means that you get to decide what is truth in your own mind. If it feels good, then it's all right. There's nothing new in that kind of thinking, folks. It's not a 21st Enlightenment, 21st century. The book of Judges ends with the following statement. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I can imagine God looking down with sadness, a tear welling up in his eyes. Because in essence, his people were telling God, we don't need you to tell us what to do. We got it. One more quote before I move on. I found this quote in caarm.org, a Christian apologist site. And I quote, With the rejection of God and Christianity in particular, absolute truth is being abandoned. Our pluralistic society wants to avoid the idea that there is really right and wrong. This is evidence in our deteriorating judicial system which more and more has trouble punishing criminals. It's relativism. They don't want to punish criminals. In our entertainment media, which continues to push the envelope of immorality and indecency. In our schools, which teach evolution and social tolerance. My granddaughter, Isabel, tells me about a teacher that teaches evolution is a fact and to test questions if you don't answer as evolutionist you're, you're going to get it wrong in addition the plague of moral relativism is encouraging everyone to accept homosexuality pornography fornication and a host of all other sins that were once considered wrong but are now being accepted and even promoted in society. It has become so pervasive that if you speak out against moral relativism and it's anything goes philosophy, you're labeled as an intolerant bigot. Of course, this is incredibly hypocritical of those who profess that all points of view are true yet reject those who profess absolutes and morality. It seems that what is really meant by the moral relativist 
is that all points of view are true except for the views that teach moral absolutes, an absolute God, or absolute right and wrong. End of quote. This is what we're facing. That is what you'll be facing when you obey God's command to go and make disciples. But you don't have to be intimidated because you have a secret weapon. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You are not there alone. Here is what God says. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The Apostle Paul also writes in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the holy places. Wow. That sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Rulers of darkness, principalities and powers. Scary lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Scary. Not at all. Do you know why? Because Jesus promised, I am with you always. If God is with us, who can be against us? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice it does not say to be strong in your own power, but in the power of the strength of his might. In the vernacular of today, he's telling you, chill, I've got your back. Let me tell you a story that is going to kind of make you want to make fun of me, but I want to demonstrate a point of God having your back. This viral macho man that stands before you was, why are you guys laughing? (laughs) Well, anyway, at one point, to say I was a mama's boy is an understanding, understatement. Actually, I was a grandmama's boy. I couldn't go outside my yard, and I couldn't play with the other ruffians. So I would stay inside my yard and be a grandmama's boy, so... My mom stepped in and says, not right. She enrolled me in the boys' club. So here comes this clean, neat, grandmama's boy mixed in with all the ruffians of the neighborhood, and guess who became a target? I was easy pickings. But then something happened. One of the toughest guys in the neighborhood, and I kid you not, this was his name, Rocky. Rocky Rodriguez, I still remember. He took it up to be my champion. He taught me how to box. He taught me how to play tackle football. I imagine I was like that cartoon little dog that goes around following this big bulldog. Hey, what are we going to do today? Spike, what are we going to do? That was me. I was walking around. And nobody would mess with me because Rocky had my back. So I would go to these, what's up? (laughs) Knowing that Rocky had my back. So I grew. I, I learned to defend myself. And then all of a sudden, Rocky disappeared. 
I don't know what happened to him. He just stopped coming around. He wasn't at his house. To this day, I don't know what happened. But by this time, I could hold my own. So that's why God has your back. Like I mentioned earlier, every church has the command to go out and to make disciples. But go in the knowledge that God has your back and your side and your front. Bethel Bethel Christian Center is sending and supporting ministries of the gospel. To mention a couple, we have teens going to the Horton Roads apartment complex. We are sending team to Mardi Gras in February. And another way we obey his command is by supporting missionaries around the world. Let me take this uh, this moment to, to remind you that today, being the first Sunday of the month, we have designated as Mission Sunday for you to give to missions. If the, pass, if the plate passed you by already and you didn't give, we have an opportunity for you to give. We have uh, the Bethel app. We have the in the foyer the where, where you could swipe your card. Or Sister Teresa will take your check. Is Sister Teresa here? There she is. She'll take your check or cash in an envelope. So... It does not have to be much, I tell you. But if you give a little bit and everybody gives a little bit, it could be significant. So why should you give to missions? Why should I give my hard-earned money to someone I don't know? Well, first of all, as the missions director of, of this church, I have reviewed and I have vetted every ministry we have support. Not just me, I have... Uh, a committee that helps me in in this endeavor, and that's Sister Tammy Smith, and forgive me because sometimes I call her Tiffany, and and Joy Stanley, they they together with me, we're meeting to evaluate our missions giving. So please see one of us if you want to know where, if you have any questions where your money is going. So as you give your money to missions, be assured that it is going to a ministry demonstrating that they are doing the Great Commission. Next, as I have mentioned several times, the Bethel Christian Center gives to missionaries because we are commanded by the Word of God. Jesus gave us the command which we call the Great Commission to go and to make disciples. There are peoples in this world that I could not ever hope to reach. I could not afford to go to India for an expended, extended period. I don't know the culture. I don't know the, the language. I don't know how to get there. But we know a man, Pastor Moses Shudre, I hope I say in his name right, who has a very effective ministry. The fruits of his labor are very effective. So we send him funds to keep his ministry going. There are people in this church even that can speak to people that I couldn't even hope to speak to. And there are people that you couldn't speak to. Porque ustedes no hablan español. Because you don't speak Spanish. So... The Bible addresses this idea that we should go and we should talk to people in Romans 10. 
For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a given. How then shall they call upon them whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? That's where you and I at Bethel Christian Center come in. We give to send someone, but that's just one way. That's easy. That's convenient. That way you don't have to get your hands dirty. You don't have to go to these off-the-wall places. But I call you to pray for the missionaries. Most have families to care for and to protect. And pray for the people that they're being missionaries too. That their hearts be open to receive. And that once they receive, they're protected. And also encourage and remind one another, hey, today is the first Sunday of the month. Open up your checkbook to missions. In addition to that, some in our, in our congregation are also involved in giving directly to missionaries. I know of several of you that are sponsoring children through the pre, uh, Prison Ministries International. So that more of you can get involved with this. We're planning a sponsorship Sunday early next year to give you that opportunity. These are missionaries that are already out there. These are missionaries and missions that are already established. But Jesus calls attention to, uh, to us for another need. Matthew 9, 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep without having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. We all have a part in this process. In 1 Corinthians 3, we are taught that some plant and some water, but it is God who gives the increase. So it is to this end that we pray to the Lord of the harvest. That to move in people to go to the harvest fields. Who knows? You may pray like the prophet Isaiah and said, send me, Lord. We have a couple of young men that grew up in this church. Colin Smith, who is with us today. Can you wave at us, Colin? We all know him. I call him champ because he was a tremendous wrestler. But now he's wrestling principalities and powers in the unseen world. We also have Jonathan Fisher. He couldn't be with us today. And they are soliciting sponsors to go to Mali in Africa. Like I, like I said, I vet our, our places of missions. And I found that Mali was one of the poorest countries in the world. Pray for them. And if the Lord leads you, support Colin and Jonathan with a nice check so they can go. Because nothing transforms a young person than to go into the mission field and see how the power of God moving in dark places. I will ask them to come and share their heart in the Wednesday soon as I coordinated with our pastor. We had a young lady here last Sunday and you met her who is in 
ministry in the darkest places of New Orleans in the French, Frenchman's Quarter or whatever you call it. Courtney Glenn. And also today with us we have a missionary in training. She has spoken to us a couple of times on Wednesday night. Madison Walker, can you wave at us? After service, I'm going to have them come so the elders can lay hands on them and bless them. So continue to pray that the Lord will raise up more people. Perhaps even now, young people, as you're sitting there and as you've been in your prayer and in your study, that, people, that God is moving you, you to go into the mission field. Heed that call. He won't let you be there on your own. You're going by the power of the Holy Spirit. Also pray for their protection. Some missionaries are in places where they are in constant danger. Second Thessalonians 3 tells us, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that he, we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Like Paul, some of our missionary brothers are in danger. They are in communist, Muslim, and Hindu countries. Sister Carol just told me this morning, Brother Dan, do you know in India the Hindus, the radical Hindus are killing Christians? These are countries where speaking the name of Christ is punishable by death. So our responsibility doesn't end when we drop that check in the plate. We need to hold them in prayer. There is a verse in scripture that I want to point out at this point. Luke, 20, Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much is required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Look around you. Has God blessed you? I am confident in saying that most, if not all, sitting here are doing pretty good. You might not have millions, but you're not homeless. Everyone has something to spare, a dollar. You dropped that in McDonald's coming to, to church this morning, at least. Everyone has something to spare. Scripture teaches us a few concepts. I call them keys to the kingdom. One of those concepts is the concept of sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each other, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for love, for God loves a cheerful giver. He does, and he'll bless you. But like I said last week as I uh, picked up the offering, we don't give to get. We, we give because we get to give. I hope all of you are invested in a retirement plan. When I retired, I was so glad I saved for years. Because Social Security was just not going to cut it. If you invest in a retirement fund, that's good. 
But it may secure your future and it may not because you're going to be at the mercy of the fluctuating economy. While I was investing, I had all kinds of people giving me advice. Oh, you should try this stock or you should try try this fund. It was just so confusing to me. But let me tell you of one investment that will never fail and the rewards are incredible. Matthew 6 and 20. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, whether neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break and steal. Where are you investing your money? Invest it in God's work. You will be richly rewarded. You know, let me tell you, when I was invested in my retirement, I saw the money that I, was be, that, I, that I earned was just being taken out of my check. And many times I felt tempted to stop the deduction, especially when it was hard times for us. But I resisted. And boy, am I glad that I resisted. The time, the same was it when it came to write my tithes check. Boy, I was sure tempted but I know that someday I will say, boy, I am sure glad that I didn't stop tithing. You see, that promise is for just then and there, but it is also for the here and now. Because God always will reward your faithfulness, and he has mine. When Jesus was asked which was the greatest commandment of them all, he replied in Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first and the great commandment. These two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. I'm repeating myself. And second is just like it. You shall love the Lord your, your neighbor. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law of the prophets. These two. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's a mouthful. But it, also, it is awesome in concept. I mean, that's great. We should love our neighbor. But man, this is so difficult to implement. If one of your children or someone you love dearly were in mortal danger, how far would you go to save them? If it was me, I would do whatever it takes, even in forfeit in my life, because I love them. Now, Jesus told us to love our neighbor just like that. Think about how that applies to the command, go and make disciples. You see, folks, your neighbors, whom you, you are called to love as yourself, are in mortal danger without Jesus. People need the Lord. I'm out of time, but I want you to listen to one more song as we meditate on the thoughts that I have given you. And then I'm going to ask the ministers, if the ministers that I asked to pray could some come and sit by pastor as the music plays. I want us to end by praying for our missionaries.
Thank you, Bethel Christian Center, for giving to the Lord. But giving is just the beginning. We need to pray for them. We we support the Navajo Nation uh, Church, pastored by Pastor Darwin and Ann Sosi. Let me pray for them. Join me as we pray. Dear Father, we pray for Pastor Darwin and his wife and father as they struggle in the midst of poverty and in the midst of of unchurched people that are stuck in their Navajo religion. We pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will empower the Sosis to go out and claim, Father, for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Brother Larry Smith will come and pray for our missionaries in Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, and Nicaragua. Father, we thank you for the heart of Emory Wine, God that had a heart for the people of Nicaragua, and for his daughter, Marty Peterson, who's carried that on. God, for the many churches that are there, the Church of Tazbaponi, the Church of Cacabelov, God of Little Corn Island, all these little churches spread about through Nicaragua, very remote areas. God, that they're in different places, different countries, but this is the same God, the same Spirit, Lord. God, I pray your blessings on them. I pray, God, Lord, that you would meet their financial need, but most of all, God, that you'd meet their spiritual need. I pray for a a fresh joy for Sister Peterson as she often travels to each one of those churches. God, I pray, Lord, that the seed that we plant there, God, will be multiplied over and over and over. And God, we've had an opportunity to see God, not just to hear about, but to see the results, God, of of those who are faithful out of this church and the lives this church touched, God, in Nicaragua. So I thank you for those who give to it. God, I pray for each person, God, in each one of those churches, God, that you would continue to strengthen them through the obedience, Lord, of of those in this church and those around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. As Sister Carol comes to pray for one of the... Most outstanding pastors in our fellowship, Pastor Moses Shudre of India. Dear Heavenly Father, we just bring Moses and Amaji Chowdhury before you today. We pray that your Holy Spirit will invade the nation of India. And God, we pray for all the missionaries who are sent out to the villages by Pastor Moses. We pray for the school that trains them as they go out. We pray that they will be inspired and moved upon by you. We pray for the daughters, four daughters of Pastor Moses and their son-in-laws who are carrying the work forward as Pastor Moses uh, gets older and starts to retire. We pray for them, Lord, that they'll have the vision to carry the vision on. And in closing, we'd like to pray for the protection of Christians in this nation of India. We pray against the radical Hindus who are killing the Christians We just pray that you will intervene in behalf of them and that God will reign in that nation again. Amen. And uh, now I'll ask uh, Brother Michael to come and pray for John Blake and the Christian Evangelism Fellowship. Would you pray with me? 
Lord God, we thank you for a child evangelism fellowship, God. God, how it's in such a large percentage of the countries of the world, Lord. And we have a chapter here in Durham. Thank you for, God, God calling John Blake to head that, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would, God, encompass him, Lord, in every aspect of that ministry, Lord. Thank you that he's called, Lord, to reach the children, Lord, in this local area. God, we lift up, Lord, the Good News Club that meets after schools, Lord, and, and pray, Lord, for each and every worker, Lord, each and every one that God is involved, Lord, ministering to children, letting them know the good news of the gospel. Lord, we pray for the funding, Lord, that's being raised for the Light Up Your World, Lord, God, movement that's going to happen in Githens Middle School, God, very soon. We pray, Lord, that that would go well, Lord. We thank you for the door, Lord, that's been opened to teach, Lord, God, of the light of Christ, Lord, and the importance, God, of each individual person, Lord to be taught during the school day, Lord, at Githens. We pray, Lord, that you would, God, provide, Lord, volunteers, Lord, to assist in this matter, Lord, and the funding would come in, Lord. Thank you for, God, all that he has done, Lord, in this area. Lord, pray that you would just continue to encourage him and provide every need. In Jesus' name. I want to ask the brother Todd to come and pray for the Prison Fellowship International. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you once again thanking you, Lord, for this ministry. Lord, I pray, God, right now a special blessing on each and every leader, each and every worker, God. I pray, God, right now for the children, Lord, who are affected, God. I pray as I lift them up, God, they would feel that touch, Father, that only you can give, Father. I pray for the ministry as they minister, God. They'll say the right thing. They'll do the right things, Father. I pray, God, right now for Bethel, God, as we give into these ministries, God. I pray, God, that you would... Uh, multiply, Father, Father, that gift, God. I pray, Lord, right now for a special blessing across the board for this ministry. Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch it, Lord, and if you do, we know it'll be blessed. For us in Christ's name, amen. Those are the ministries that this church provides for. So remember them and pray for them in your prayer time. But there are missionaries all over the world, so we don't want to miss a single one. I have asked the brother Jin Ho to come and pray for all those other missionaries across the board. Brother Jin Ho. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank you for everybody who has given to the Lord. Father, without that giving, the birth country of mine would have never, ever had your gospel come to us. Missionaries who, Father, are still some who are buried there, some who were killed there to bring the message hundreds of years ago. And through that, my parents received your message. And through that, as I emigrate to Canada, tend to the United States, and in the United States is where I accepted Jesus Christ to somebody who gave me the gospel, even though I was churched. Father, I pray for all the missionaries overseas right now. Bless them, anoint them. I pray for all the missionaries here domestically, O oh God. But more so, O oh God, I ask you right now for each of the people in Bethel to be convicted. Father, that as they walk out, that is a mission field right there. Father, speak to them as you called Samuel. Write on the walls if you have to, Father. Speak to us to be convicted, to look at people at work, even our family members, or even, O oh Lord, within our social areas. 
today convict us to share the gospel. To share the gospel and invite them to the church because it says, Father, as Brother Dan has said in Matthew 28, Father, to make disciples and to teach. And it is only done when there is contact. Father, thank you for the missionaries. Thank you for us because you call us missionaries. The harvest is ready. Send Bethel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Finally, as we close, I'd like to call Colin and Madison to come up and for the elders to come up behind them, laying of hands on them, blessing them as they go forward. Please come and stand in front. Elders, please come. Then pastor will come and close the service.